If you have your Bibles this morning or electronic devices, whatever you use to access the Word of God, amen, we're in church. I hope you have a copy of some kind, amen. Turn to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and this morning we're going to be looking at verse 1 and 2, you see on your bulletin there, the title of the message this morning is Sacred Saints, kind of a play on words, because the word saint has within its meaning the word sanctified or sacred, in other words, you can't really be a saint without being sacred, and, uh, and so the reason I went with that title is because, as we're going to see in the message this morning, I'm, I'm going to challenge us with a very crucial and, and key idea about what it means to be a Christian in today's culture. And when I say today's culture, I don't just mean the culture of North America or the United States. I mean the culture of the world. I mean the culture of humanity. And as you and I go from nation to nation, even within a nation, as you go from state to state, culture is going to be different. Amen? And yet it's also going to be incredibly similar. There are things we share and there are things that we have that are different. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, and as you're turning there, and the reason for this message this morning, I'm trying to lay a foundation for us. We're, we're getting ready. We're moving forward with the search process and the transitional process. And you're going to be hearing about more meetings and opportunities for you to come as a church. And again, I want to stress this. When we have these open meetings for the church, I want you to just go out of your way to be here so that you can contribute and we can hear and learn and know what we need to know and the search committee can know what they need to know and your leadership team can know what they need to know as we move forward looking for the man that God has appointed to be the next pastor of First Baptist Church of Mableton. Amen? And so, uh, and so this is kind of a preparatory message to help us understand the importance of getting the right man, the importance of being the right kind of church. And we've talked about that in recent weeks, how to help our church grow and you knowing your spiritual gifts and you playing your part. And yes, we are going to be putting a day on the calendar, maybe more than one if we need to, for uh, a spiritual gifts inventory and a time of evaluating that and what that means. But this morning I want to think about this subject, sacred saints. And I look at what may be a familiar couple of verses for us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, we looked at all of chapter 12 last week, and we talked about the gifts, and they're listed more here than they are in Corinthians, and several different lists, and we talked about that. But I want to look at these first two lead-in verses this morning and kind of get us to think about three, three things this morning. Um, so last week, so if you're there and you're ready, uh, amen. All right, we'll get the, I'll read that in just a minute. So we're preaching last week. We're talking about gifts. We talked about the different types of gifts, and I want to share this with you kind of just to tie in, I thought of the Lord, the Holy Spirit's kind of been speaking to me all week, you know, I got a little excited, I get, I get a little excited when I preach, I don't know if you've noticed, you know, uh, I, I just, I just don't think, I just don't think the Word of God is boring, amen, and, and it just, something about it just overtakes me when I start preaching it, but I'm also very jealous, I have a pastor's heart, uh, I have a shepherd's heart, and so I'm very jealous for the church, and so the Holy Spirit's kind of spoke to me last week, and we were talking about certain gifts, and especially when we were talking about the sign gifts, and, and what that means today, and especially in a Baptist church, and by the way, I'm so glad that, that y'all know how to worship here, amen? I'm glad that y'all know it's okay to clap during a song, amen? I'm glad some of you know it's okay to raise your hands during a song, amen? I mean, there's some churches you raise your hand, the preacher will stop and say, please hold all questions till the end of the service. I, I don't, uh, you know, it's just, it's okay. The Bible says, lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Amen? Uh, and, and so as I was preaching last week, I was, I was referencing and thinking about healing and, 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 and faith healers. And, 
And what I want you to understand is there, there, there are people out there who may very well have that gift. And, and, and I didn't stress this enough last week, and it's just, been, it's just been kind of grinding on me all day. The devil does a masterful job of putting wolves in sheep's clothing and deceiving and misleading not just the people of God, but those who would come to God. And in coming to God, they find a false prophet or a false preacher. They find one of these wolves in sheep's clothing, and they leave, as I said last week, not discouraged with the man or even the church, but discouraged or completely disbelieving in God. And I've heard too many stories of people who went to a meeting like that and looking for God to do something, he didn't do it, and, and, they, and they, they've told Christians and they've told preachers, and I've had just a few people in my life, maybe not quite this bad, but people tell me that because of that experience, they'll, they'll never believe in God, they'll never grace the doors of a church again. And beloved, we've got to go out of our way in this day and age to present a fair and accurate picture of a gracious, loving, merciful God and the Christ who gave his life to redeem sinful man. And we have to do it in such a way that we make him, as the Bible says, altogether lovely. We make him winsome and attractive and desirable so that when people see us and the God we serve, they, they want to know him more, not less. Amen? And so the, the, this, the, this, in this mo- the message this morning, we're kind of thinking about the importance of looking at a culture and looking at the world today and being who God wants us to be because the world needs us to be that. And, and Mableton needs First Baptist Church of Mableton. This, this, this city, this county, and this state, this nation, and this world, yes, the world needs this local congregation to be everything God wants it to be in order for them to know God the way that God wants them to know him. Amen. And you haven't heard this yet, so I'll give you just a little, just a little foretaste. It's my personal belief that every church should have its hand in the ministry and in the gospel to some extent to the deepest, furthest reaches of the earth, no matter how big, no matter how small that church is. You can have a hand in seeing the gospel spread to places that you may never actually get to go and may never even truly, fully know about or understand until we stand before the throne of God. Amen? So set our sights bigger than that. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to read this, a little introduction, three things, and uh, we'll try and move a little quickly this morning because I don't want to get too bogged down. I, I really want to try and keep this simple. So you be praying, I'll be praying. I need you to, as the old preacher said, I need you to listen on purpose this morning. Amen? I'm going to try and preach on purpose. I need you to listen on purpose. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, That little key word, I think I shared this with you before, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's writing these words at the start of chapter 12 based on everything he's written in the previous 11 chapters. And he's presented the gospel. He's presented salvation. He's presented redemption and what it means to trust in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be the chosen people of God. He's he's spent 11 chapters lifting up the name of Jesus 
And now based on that, he says, I beseech you, I implore you, I beg you, I encourage. And you might even have a translation says that says, I admonish you, therefore, brethren, because of what we've already seen, because of who Christ is, that, that by his mercies you present yourselves, a, your body, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he gives a warning in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know, or so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. While we're not going to look at verse 3 this morning, it bears reading, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And we talked about that briefly last week. None of us in this room are any greater or any less than anybody else in this room because through Christ we have been made equal brothers and sisters in the family of God. Amen. And even though we have different gifts and different abilities, we have been redeemed by the same God. We are loved by the same God. We are the children of the one true living God. We are a family. Amen. And we stand together equally in the body of Christ, ready to serve him with the differences that God has given us so that we are here this morning and we are the same and yet incredibly different. Amen? And so he, he, he tells us, don't, 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 don't think that you're needed more or less than anybody else. So with that in mind, uh, Richard Niebuhr wrote a classic book on Christ and culture. And, and in this book, he he shared three things, and it's very relevant. It's very fitting for what we're seeing in the world today. He presents three basic ideas about how the world approaches Christ and, and culture today. And the first thing he says is that one of the philosophies we have is we have Christ against culture. It's a philosophy that everything in human culture is bad, and God is against it. Christ is against it. That if you look at anything, anything culturally made by man, Christ stands against it. He's opposed to it. And, and, and you see this in Christianity today. You see this in the church today where God's people are known more by what we're against than by what we're for. Amen? And, and so there's the idea of Christ against culture. Culture is bad. It's bad, period. And you have to put Christ in it and he has to bring his culture, a totally separate, different culture. You have the second thing, and you have the Christ of culture. The Christ of culture, and that's a little play on words there, but basically, uh, if you take any culture and you put Christ in that culture, uh, then all culture is good just because you put Christ in that culture. So if you have a culture that endorses or practices or has some sort of a sinful approach to how we live life, as long as you put Christ in that sinful approach, everything is okay. I'll give you an example of that. Well, I won't give you an example of that, it's just... Okay, I'll give you one example. <laughs> it's the idea that if you want to be an addict, you can be an addict, just be an addict for Christ, but not addicted to the gospel, addicted to whatever sinful worldly thing. You, as long as you're a Christian, you can be an addict. Just put Christ in it. That just sounds foolish, doesn't it? Well, it is foolish, and yet there are churches who preach that. There are churches who think that the solution to reaching the culture and reaching this world is by helping people 
commit more sin. There are churches who go into the community. You're going to have to make this decision. I don't know if you've ever done this. I hope you haven't. You're going to know where I stand real fast. Amen. But there are churches who actually think that the way to help a community who's addicted to drugs and dealing with opioids and dealing with these things is to go into the addicts and give them clean needles so that they can do their drugs more safely. There's no safe way to be addicted to drugs. There are churches that go into the streets and into the cities and they give out items and things to help people who are selling themselves in the darkest parts of the night, in the darkest corners of the world, to help them continue to do that, to try and keep them safe. Beloved, sin is never safe. Just putting Christ in the culture does not make it acceptable. Amen? There's no such thing as Christian murder. There's no such thing as being a Christian thief. There's no such thing as being a Christian liar. Amen. So just putting Christ in culture is absolutely foolish. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, the third view is this, and this is the view we hold. It's Christ above culture. Or, as some would say, at Christ and culture. And what that means is, not all culture is bad, not all culture is good. Culture, what we develop as human beings, what we decide as men and women, the the way we want to live our lives, we're going to do it to the best of our ability, but it's always going to be stained with sin. It's always going to work out of a framework of a humanity that has fallen. But when you bring Christ into the equation and you let him look at a culture, he can take those things that are good and keep them, and he can get rid of the things that are bad. Amen? If you happen to be in a culture, in a community where people actually love and care for each other, when you put Christ in that culture, that love is going to be magnified. Amen. And when you bring Christ into a culture that's divided, maybe it's divided politically, socially, economically, maybe it's divided racially, you put Christ in that culture and he heals that which is broken. Amen. And so when we talk about Christ, we talk about a Christ who is above culture, that, that a culture will only find its ultimate true and full value and worth when, when Christ is at the center of everything that, that happens. And beloved, that only happen in a community when a church becomes everything that God wants that church to be. Amen? You see, First Baptist Church in Mableton doesn't have anything to offer this community apart from Christ and his word. You you, you take him and his word away, and and this becomes just another building like any other building in Mableton. It becomes just, and, and, and as some old preachers have said, God help us. You take Christ out, you take his word out, and, and we become just a glorified, super, so-called spiritual country club. No, beloved, Christ is absolutely the key to changing this world. Amen. And so with that in mind, I want to share three things very quickly with us this morning. Number one, for the saint, everything, everything is sacred. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Everything we do, everything in our bodies, 
a living sacrifice. And if you know anything about this, you know that a sacrifice, he has to put that word living sacrifice, because when you sacrifice something, you give it away. It becomes dead to you. When you sacrifice an animal, the animal, even if you don't kill the animal, the animal leaves you. You no longer have control over it anymore. But when they offered sacrifices in the temple, they would, they would kill the animal. They would kill the sheep, kill the goat, kill the dove, kill the ram. They would end its life. So a sacrifice means death. And when, 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 when the writer of Romans tells us to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, he's saying to live our lives in such a way that we are dead to everything we desire and alive only to that which God desires. Amen? That's powerful. You know how different the world would be if we actually sought God's will first and above everything else? Amen? Politically, socially, economically, racially. For the saint, everything is sacred. Why is this important? There is no room for compartmentalized Christianity. So what in the world do you mean by that, preacher? I don't get to say this part of my life is, 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 is cultural. This is a part of my life that I'm going to live. I don't need God in this part of my life. This, life. this is fine. This is my Christianity, and this is my regular life. Let me give you the terms that you've heard today. You've heard the word the sacred and the secular. And you have, you have churches and Christians today who believe that, that it's possible to have those two compartments in your life, that which is secular or that which is of the world and that which is sacred, that which is of God. Beloved, for the Christian, everything must be sacred. Your job, you say, well, I have a secular job. No, if you're a Christian, your job is sacred. Amen? Because the Bible says whatever you do, do it not for the glory of man, not to please men, but do it all for the glory of God. Do it to please him. Amen? And so when we talk about culture, and we say there's some area of our life that, that we separate from God, you cannot separate the sacred from the secular. If you're a child of God, if you are a Christian, everything must be sacred. Amen? Your job, your family, your hobbies, everything in our life belongs to God. For the saint, Everything is sacred. We don't compartmentalize our Christianity. We don't separate our politics from our religion. Can I say to you, your politics will reveal your religion. Your philosophy will reveal your religion. What you think and feel, how you live, how you behave, how we act in the world shows people what we really, what we really think and what we really believe about God. Amen? Oh, God is a loving God. We say that and then there are people we hate. Huh? Amen? Oh, me? <laughs> See, there's nothing in your life and mine that we cannot, that we can say, uh, that we're allowed to say belongs to God and this part belongs to me. It either all belongs to God or the real danger is nothing actually belongs to him. We're controlling our lives. We're living the way we want to live. And so present your bodies a living sacrifice. Die daily to your desires. Die to my desires. Die to what we think and feel. For the saint, everything is sacred. Number two, for the saint, for the saint, worldly schemes are unacceptable. Look at verse two. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect word of God. The very beginning of verse two, he says, be not conformed to this world. Now, if you've ever studied this before, there's two key words in verse 2, the word conformed and the word transformed. Conformed and transformed. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Don't be this, be this. God is presenting very clearly two very different approaches to life. Amen? Everybody with me still? He says, don't be this way, 
be this way. Don't be conformed, be transformed. So let's look at those two words because they're important. The first word is the word conformed. In the King James, you have a different translation. It, makes, it might say, uh, do not follow the patterns of this world. But that word that's, that, that's conformed there, it's the little Greek word schema. And, and when, when you hear that word schema, a couple of things come to mind. The first thing that might pop into your mind is our English word scheme. A scheme. And when you think about a scheme, we don't just think about a plan. We think about a sneaky plan. Amen? When somebody is scheming, they're usually what? They're usually up to no good. Amen? So we talk about schemes, and and there's that word scheme. But it also is the word from which we get the English word schematic. A schematic. Y'all know what a schematic is? A schematic, this still amazes me. You buy an appliance, you buy something electrical today, especially a larger an oven, a refrigerator or something, uh, even, even, even to some degree if you buy a car, and we talked about the owner's manual in the car, you, you buy a, a, a device today, and, and still, at least it's been my experience in like refrigerators and ovens and things like that, you're going to pull it out, there's going to have a manual, and in the back, they're going to have two, three, maybe even four pages of all these lines and names and stuff just interconnecting and telling you how that particular appliance is put together and works. And that's in the back of like almost every, I think every manual I've ever bought when I bought an appliance like that. Have you seen those, amen? Can I just ask you, who is that for? Like I have never used that, amen? I mean, that, it's, it's clearly not for a graduate from the University of Georgia. I mean, it's just, it's got to be from, it's like a Georgia Tech graduate. Amen? You got to be, it's for engineers. It's two weeks away from football season. There are going to be more bad football jokes. Get, just get used to it. Amen? I could have said Alabama graduate, but I didn't want to offend half of you. Amen? You've seen those schematics, and you've looked at them. Have you ever used them? You, you call a repairman to come fix it. Does he look at it? No, because he already knows how it works. Amen? Well, that's a schematic. And the purpose of a schematic is to show you that that particular thing that you have, that you're using, that particular item that you're using, is designed to work and operate a certain way, and every part works specifically together to produce an outcome. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible warns us against the schemes of the world. Where, where humanity is trying to come together and bring everything together in a perfect, orderly way to make everything work a certain way, the problem is the schemes of this world are designed to get us to live and operate outside the will of God. And that's unacceptable for a Christian. Amen? I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, you guys familiar with the story of Babel? You know in the Old Testament. Humanity at that time, they all spoke the same language. And they all came together in the valley of Babel. And man said, let's build a tower. We're going to build a tower so high that it will reach up under the heavens, up to the very heights of the heavens. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to break through that, that blue veil of the sky. We're going, to, we're going to ascend up, and we're going to become like gods. And they began to build a temple, and humanity had come together, and they'd come together not to worship God, but to dethrone God and to make themselves God. Can you not see that when you turn on the news today? Do you not see that and hear that when you listen to politicians speak today? That it's more about promoting a party or promoting an individual than it is about promoting the glory of God? 
Do you not understand that the danger is there are churches and there are pulpits with preachers and pastors who stand behind a pulpit, who stand behind a a podium on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, whenever they have service, they stand up and they're not promoting the will of God. They're promoting their ministry. They're lifting up themselves. Do you not realize that that as, as much as we have men in this nation right now who worship God and preach the word of God, we have people who sit in their churches and worship those men rather than worshiping their God. Amen? See, you, 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 don't, you don't want your next pastor to be a man that you can worship. You want your next pastor to be a man who will make sure that you're worshiping God. Amen. Don't fall into the schemes of this world. Don't fall into the traps of this world. Don't fall into the patterns of this world. The Bible has an answer for everything we encounter in this world, but we have to think with the mind of Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Now, The next word is a beautiful word. It's a powerful word. I love it. It says, don't be conformed, but it says what? It says, be transformed. How many of you know? I just don't have to say it, but just by show of hands, does anybody know what that Greek word is for transformed? Anybody ever studied this before? Nobody? Well, you're going to learn at least something a little small this morning. Amen. I'm going to teach you something new. You ready? That word for transformed, it's a real fancy Greek word. Metamorphosis. Never heard that word before, have you? How many of you have heard that word before? Raise your hands. Okay, amen. If you went to school at all, took a biology class, because one of the things you studied was you studied a caterpillar and how it becomes a what? A butterfly. And, And you studied that process of metamorphosis where something that is this way changes in such a way that it looks and acts and moves and responds completely different than the way it did before. See, if you were to take a caterpillar and throw it up into the air, right? What's it going to do? Boom. Is it okay? Uh, I didn't throw it high enough. (laughs) No. Every time you throw that caterpillar up into the air, what's it going to do? It's going to fall right back down because the caterpillar can't what? Caterpillar can't fly. But you let that caterpillar begin to secrete a, 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 a substance that coats it and covers itself and slowly wraps itself up into a cocoon so that when you look at it, don't even see the caterpillar anymore. You just see a, a white or some sort of a colored, just looks like a little piece of cotton or something. And then you watch it and you see it. And as you watch it over time, you notice that you can begin to see inside things are changing. And outside it looks the same. Doesn't look like caterpillar anymore. All you see is that out. But inside, something's going on. And then after a while, it begins to break open. It begins to tear open. You, that outer shell begins to fall away. And you, and you see something happening inside even more so. And something begins to come out. And as something comes out of that shell, it doesn't look anything like what went into that shell. Because as it comes out of that shell and that shell opens, all of a sudden, wings come out of the back and it begins to shake its wings and it begins to flap and it begins to shake and then with a few flutters of its wings that thing which once could only crawl on the lowliest of places can now fly and ascend into the heights of the heavens that's a metamorphosis and that's what God wants for every Christian that we who once could only crawl upon the lowliest places of the earth. We who were confined to the earth, who were restricted to the lowest, lowest and basest of things and places, we now sprout wings for God and we can ascend to the heavens for his glory. Amen? It says, don't be conformed, be transformed. 
metamorphosis. And I studied this because, and, and, and you, by the way, you want to you have fun? Google, Google does the DNA of a caterpillar match the DNA of a butterfly. Sure, I'm, I'm serious. You, you, you won't believe the stuff that came. I went and I started reading, and, and I, even the scientists are, well, are we talking about formulative DNA or theoretic structural DNA? Well, are we talking about the DNA? And, and are we talking about proteins? And, and, and I started reading, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's not that hard. It was once this, and now it's this. Amen? But there's, they, they, actually, they actually talk about it, and, and the end result is that the core DNA of a butterfly is the same as that of a caterpillar. See, what's inside the butterfly is still the same of that which is inside the, was inside the caterpillar. Amen? Which is why when butterflies reproduce and, and give birth, they give birth to caterpillars, not other butterflies. Amen? And, 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 and it's better than that, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget this. Hormones and proteins are present in the caterpillar, but they have to mature to trigger the next stage of growth and when those hormones and those proteins are triggered that's when the caterpillar wraps itself into its cocoon so that it can begin the process of letting its body change in a, in, in a secure environment so that when it breaks free it looks different than it did before and so I wrote this down transformation is a choice or we would not be instructed to choose transformation over conformity. Let me say that very carefully. When God saves us, he does not immediately make us butterflies. We're caterpillars. We're babes in Christ. We're the new creation. But we're not the fullness of that creation. That's good, amen? We have within us the ability, now that God has remade us in Christ, to live as he wants us to live and become that butterfly. Amen? Or we can hinder the growth process in our lives. This is why the writer of Romans says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Beloved, you've got to stop thinking about yourself the way the devil wants you to think about yourself and start thinking about yourself the way God wants you to be. You need to see yourself for who he says you are. Amen? And, and, and maybe if you're a new Christian, then you need to just say, I'm a caterpillar, but I know what caterpillars become. Amen? And don't just say as a Christian, well, I'm fine just being a caterpillar. I don't know about you, but if I could fly right now, I would. Amen? Have you not, have you not, I mean, we, man, we go out, we built planes so we could fly. We, in the 60s, they were, we were working on, remember, remember, remember when everybody, by, right by the 70s, everybody, every household would have a jet pack? Yeah. Going to work, right, y'all remember that? Thank, thank God that never happened. You've seen the highways, could you imagine if we all had jet packs? I mean, driving on 285, could you imagine, that's just, Amen. Beloved, you need to see yourself, who God made you to be, and all the potential he made you yet to be. Amen? See, for the saint, worldly schemes are unacceptable. And that's why I bring us to the third thing this morning. By the way, conformity is the world's goal. Transformation is God's goal. 
The world's goal is you can stay who you are, stay the way you are, put Christ in it, and keep doing the things you're doing that have made your life meaningless and miserable. Just put Jesus in it and you'll be fine because eventually one day you'll get to heaven. No, God's solution is change your life completely. Amen? Be transformed. Don't even, don't even know that those things in the past used to, used to have control over you so that now, now we're controlled by God and the Holy Spirit. So here's the third thing this morning. Number one, for the saint, everything is sacred. Number two, for the saint, for the saint, schemes, worldly schemes are unacceptable. Number three, for the saint, sacrifice is everything. Sacrifice is everything. Look again at, at, at verse two. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says in the very first verse, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Present your bodies a living sacrifice so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word there is prove. I wrote this down. Sin doesn't need proof. <laughs> Righteousness does. We don't need to prove that the world is broken. Just look around. What we need to be proving to the world, beloved, as the church of Jesus Christ, is that God has and is and will continue to make all things new. So that that person who used to sell themselves in the deepest, darkest recesses of the night now finds that their worth is more than all the treasures of the universe. And they no longer sell themselves to men or to women or to anything else or to drugs. They no longer sell themselves to those things because they have been bought with a price. They have been bought with the blood of Christ. And they now are worth more than anything in the world. You will transform your world when you see your identity different than you used to. You are no longer a child of the devil. You are no longer a child of the world. You are a child of God. You are a child of the king. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And we are worth more than anything this world has to offer us. And so sacrifice is everything. Can I willingly say that I'm going to live every day and draw every breath, dying to myself and living to God and letting Christ live through me so that when the world sees me, they don't see the wickedness of the world. They don't see what they see when they turn on the news. So they don't see me it, when I get in that traffic on 285, driving like people who don't know Jesus. But when they see me, amen, they see me with a smile where I have no reason to smile. They see you with a joy where you shouldn't have reason to have joy. Which is why the Bible says we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? Oh, and then, and then it says, and the half hasn't yet been told. Like we don't even, we haven't even scratched the surface of the joy and the victory and the power of the transformed life made possible through Jesus Christ. We're still working through it. Amen? I mean, some of us are still crawling like caterpillars. Some of us are inside the cocoon. and we're, Some of us are starting to sprout our wings. Some of us have sprouted our wings. And there may have been some of us that sprouted our wings, but we've decided we'd rather just sit on the limb and walk around and crawl around like we used to when we were caterpillars. Ouch. Huh? Amen? Oh me, oh beloved, sacrifice is everything. Is there, look at this and then we'll close. Look at verse two. 
Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is there then a bad, an unacceptable, and an imperfect will of God? No, of course not. That's called sarcasm, amen? It says that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which means that if we're not careful as Christians, we will live before the world as if there's a bad way to live for God that should be acceptable, or there's an unacceptable way to live before God that should be good, or that there's an imperfect will that's good enough. Are y'all following me? Amen? See, he, he didn't just say good. He didn't just say acceptable. He didn't just say perfect. He said good, acceptable, and perfect, which means it's possible, beloved, for you and I to live a life that is not good, that is not acceptable, and is not perfect. And you can count on this. When we live that life and the world sees it, we don't give them any reason to believe in Christ because they've already got that. They've already got the bad. They've already got what they think is acceptable. They've already got what they think is perfect. Y'all with me? Amen? Amen? As the children of God, what we must show the world is that there's a better way to live than addicted to drugs, addicted to all forms of sexual immorality, that there's a better way to live in this world than to accept human trafficking of any kind on any level, that there's a better way to live in this world than to decide that because I'm white or because I'm black or any other race or color, I'm better than anybody else or less than anybody else. Because the cross, beloved, is where red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves not just the little children of the world, but us old people as well. <laughs> and sometimes us angry old people. He loves us. And he has taken out of many nations and many people, the Bible says, and he has made, there's one Lord, one Lord, one God, one Father of all, and he has made of all people and all nations one body in Christ. Amen? So I want you to bow your heads this morning. Close your eyes. And as we bow for prayer this morning, the question I would ask you is this. Have you ever trusted Christ? Have you ever seen him as altogether beautiful and wonderful? Have you ever seen and understood that whatever the thing is in this world that has you so full of hatred and bitterness or addiction, that Jesus came to deliver you from that, that he can and he will, that he can make you something with the capability to spread wings and fly to heights you've never known before in your life, and that's only possible when you trust him. If you've never done that, and this morning you can pray and you can trust him. It's a simple prayer. God, I, I don't want to live the life I've been living. My life is broken. 
stained with sin, but you died to save me. And so I'm trusting you as my Savior this morning. Forgive me and save me. And he'll do it. I'll be down front. I'll pray with you. I'll help you know that and settle that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian. You're saved and you know you're saved, but maybe you're still crawling like a caterpillar. And it's time to start working on that transformation process so that you'll be more than you've ever been before and everything God wants you to be. Maybe you're here this morning, you're a Christian. Maybe you used to fly, but you, you've grown weary. Maybe it's time to refocus on the Lord so that he can, he can renew your strength and you can mount up with not the wings of a butterfly, but the wings of eagles. What is it that God has spoken to you about this morning? As this church goes through this time of transition, as we pray and seek God's will, what decision would he have you make this morning? The altar's open. You can come and pray. I'll pray with you. Whatever decision you need to make, let God have it in your life this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that culture and everything we see in this world that is wrong, that is broken, can be made right, can be made better, made new through the possibilities of the transformed life of faith in Jesus Christ and everything that means. And so, Father, help us this morning to be the people, to be the church that you've called us to be in this community, in this city, in this state, in our nation, and to the ends of the earth. And Father, we'll give you the glory and the praise for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.